I'm Scott Sanders, and this is the Reach Australia podcast, a podcast all about seeing healthy, evangelistic, multiplying churches across Australia. Is team pastoring just for big churches? Uh, isn't this just too corporate? Where is the love? Uh, who does the pastoring? Hang on, I, you know, uh, I thought I thought pastoring was all about uh, teaching the Bible. So we're going to answer some of those objections, and uh, and it's really helpful to have you, Greg, uh, push into some of those things. So if you've got some objections to the ecosystem, which don't get covered here, or just some points that you like cleared up, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, jump on the website, reachaustralia.com.au, and uh, very happy to clarify those. Okay, now, Greg, the average church in Australia has less than 100 adults on a Sunday. And so this first objection is really important. Uh, isn't pastoring with purpose uh, just big church thinking? No. Uh, everything we've been talking about in terms of ecosystems and pathways, they're not size dependent. They're in every single church. So there is a pathway, uh, a discipleship pathway in every church, and there is an ecosystem in every church. Um, the difference between small church and large church will be a difference in complexity and maybe the ability to staff it. Mm. But you've got an ecosystem when you've got six people, when you've got three people. Um, and so you need to be thinking about this regardless of size. But here's the thing, the earlier you start thinking about it, the easier it is to overcome those growth barriers. And so I think this is a bit of a cart before the horse thing. Often people look at it and look at big churches and see this ecosystem thinking and think, ah, oh, they're doing the ecosystem thinking because they're big. It's actually the other way around. Part of the way they manage to grow is by attending to the ecosystem thinking early. And I think part of the issue is that uh, it's, it's been big churches that have been communicating this and, and mm. illustrating this. I think part of the other problem is uh, we're all concrete thinkers and we want to see it concretely. And the examples have been big church where it's been staffed yeah. with a, a, past, you know, a pastor and staffed with a specialist structure. Yeah. And a key... A key part of understanding that is that you know you need to move towards a specialist staff team, you know, as a as a sort of a breaking through a size barrier, and that is often happening at sort of the 350, 400 mark. Hmm. But prior to that, actually, if you're getting ecosystem rightly thought out, it's actually having volunteer uh, leaders, team leaders, who are actually pushing into uh, those key purpose areas. Yeah, especially because you you then reach a size where. Um in order to, even in a big church, make it work, you've got to have volunteers doing almost everything anyway. Mm. Um, we can't afford to have uh, staff running all of the different parts of the ecosystem and the pathway. Most of it is run by volunteers. And so um, you start off with volunteers, you do move into a bit where it's a lot of paid people, but you still end up with volunteers. Mm. Yeah. And so I think it's really important as well. We, we've tried to, you know, just in this podcast series, think about the principles. Uh, so, you know, mm. then you've got to ask the question, well, how do we actually get this done? Well, you, you are going to need to uh, manage and build structures for a Sunday gather, you know, for gatherings. You are going to need to think about a small, you know, a small group structure. And that could be one-to-one, -one, it could be in, you know, threes, it could be in, in twelves, it could be in twenties, it could be in forties. You're going to need to think of some sort of, you know, smaller structure. You are going to need to think about ministry teams. Mm. Uh, and over all this, you are going to need to have an organisational structure. Now, what it looks like in... Uh, hunters context and for where they're at in their church life cycle is going to be very different from a church plant and mm. where it's at in its life cycle and its context and yeah. a church that's been established for a number of years and is trying to transition 
you know, to this uh, purpose pastoring model as well. Yeah, so you'd say different sizes will end up with different programs uh, and different levels of payment, but there is always an ecosystem, there is always a pathway, and the purposes are the same. That's it. And so there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. So uh, I just want to, well, there's one final book, because I think often we want to think about it concretely, and so we, we, we sort of see, you know, this map down, we, we immediately go to an organisational diagram or immediately go to this is, you know, how you do it. You know, it's got to be done this way. Yeah. And we want to keep extracting ourselves and thinking, what are the principles? And then how, how does this work in my context and for this size and for this time in our, in our church life? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so second objection. This just all sounds far too corporate. In fact, I'm feeling like I'm sounding very corporate at the moment. And you're a lawyer. Yeah, that's it. Um, but ecosystems, are, it's, it's also it's a, it's a biological term as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So it also, not only does it sound corporate, but it doesn't sound very loving or yeah. pastoral. Um, what's wrong with corporate? I think that's the thing we've got to dig into. So when someone says it's all corporate, what's wrong with corporate? Well, what, two things that can be wrong with corporate are, one... It's unloving because corporate's all about money. And two, it's not theological. Um, what we've been working at showing um, uh, in these podcasts is there is a solid theological basis behind this. So as we look into each of those purpose areas, we're looking at where you see them in the Bible. Um, there is a solid theological basis there. It's also loving. Um, it's love that drives you to get organized. Mm. It's love that drives you to figure out we have these sheep what's the best way to be able to look after them? And so um, at that level, um, it's not that it's corporate, but it is organised. But it's organised because of love, not because of a bottom line. And so that's what I think is really important. Uh, we've got to understand that the church is an organisation. Hmm. Uh, and, and in order to, to work, it needs to be organised. <coughs> and yeah. pastoring with purpose is a way to help pastoral leaders think purposefully, intentionally mm. about that overarching outcome that we're looking for, that all churches should have, that mission of making disciples. Yeah, that's right. Love and organisation aren't opposed to each other. If you're in a big family, you know that. Um, love, uh, organisation can be a way of loving people and should be a way of loving people. One of the things that we talk about in the Reach Australia Development Program, it, it's a Venn diagram with uh, getting getting the church leader to be thinking about uh, their influence or their uh, role responsibility in the context of uh, church life, and so there's this group of people, uh, you know, that we that we lead uh, and love and pastorally care for. Mm. There's you as the leader, and then there's church as the organisation, and it's a beautiful Venn diagram where they're all sort of overlapping, yeah. and you're forcing the church leader to actually think, well, what's my, you know, what's my role in leading people? What's my role in leading the organisation? Mm. And then over the whole thing, there's this beautiful context which is your local context, which is also needing to be thought into as well. Uh, now, Greg, the role of the church leader in the New Testament is often described as a shepherd, mm. uh, and that shepherd concept is the main idea behind our English word pastor. Mm. So depending on your denominational bent, you might call yourself a, a church leader, a minister, a presbyter, a pastor, uh, or any sort of range of things. But connected to all church leadership is the idea of pastorally shepherding the flock. Mm. Now, that concept seems pretty absent from the whole church ecosystem idea. Although you can, you seem to keep smuggling it, you know, by just adding pastor to <laughs> yeah, purpose right. you know, mission pastor, Job serve done. pastor. Uh, is that just sort of, you know, language? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's two thoughts to put into that. And one is um, we don't see pastoring as something that you just think about individually. Um, you think about it as a team. 
Uh, and so we think about how do we pastor people? And so um, it's not just that I, people aren't just pastored when I open the Bible with them, mm -hmm. but when the Bible is opened with them and I play a part in that. And so thinking about Sundays, all of our different teams are looking after people so that the Bible can be opened. They're all pastoring them. Mm. The other way to think about it, though, is if you're the membership pastor or the, the community pastor, how do you build your team and how do you speak to people? It's with the Bible mm. open. Mm. Mm. You know, so every team meeting, the Bible is open. Our, um, our area pastors, they do stacks and stacks of Bible teaching but they also see themselves as part of the team that pastors everyone. That is, it's more of a community way of thinking rather than an individualistic way of thinking. But if there's all these these past, you know, purpose pastors around, then who who's my pastor? Who actually reads the Bible with me? Yeah. Who comes to visit me in the hospital? Uh, you know, who's the one making sure that I'm you know following Jesus? That's a great question, um, and the answer is uh, in our context, you don't have one, you got six. Um, that is. It's not just that you have the remote senior pastor who you wish you could talk to, but the fact is that 38 people want his time. Um, you've got these leaders of the various departments, various um, purposes, who are all through church and who are there. And um, we really noticed it when, uh, when people get married. In days gone by, I was the one that they asked because I was this, the, the guy out the front. Um, now, when people get married, the one that they ask um, to marry them is usually the head of the purpose area that mm. they're doing ministry in because those guys teach the Bible to them all mm. the time. And so you don't have one, you got six, and you actually have loads of pastoral experiences. You're looked after by your growth group, led by a leader. You're looked after your ministry team leader. You're looked after the purpose leader. I look after them through preaching. The fact is, pastoring is not meant to be, I don't think, this individual thing. That's it's a flock with a bunch of shepherds in lots of different roles. So it's not that individual thing, but but surely pastors are meant to be teaching the Bible. Mm. Now, you know, I know you just made the you know the comment, oh, but the Bible's coming. But but are they you know are they teaching the Bible there? Yeah. Are they, are they preaching? Could it be that we're a little bit preaching centric in teaching the Bible? That unless somebody is out the front preaching, they're not Bible teaching, um, because some of our purpose uh, leaders don't do very much preaching. Um, but I tell you what, the Bible is open all the time. They are deep in the Word as they lead their ministry teams all the time. So I want to now press into some of the concerns that pastors have and church leaders have in this place. Mm. If, I, if I move towards this sort of purpose pastoring model, does that mean that I'm going to be unemployable? You know, if, if I, like, who's ever going to want a mission pastor in their church? Who would, who, would, who would ever want somebody who is fantastic at reaching the lost to be the pastor of their church? What a crazy idea. Um, the fact is, uh, everyone is a specialist. Um, the, the idea that we're generous or that they're somehow they're a generalist, I, I think is a bit of a fallacy. Um, if our guys were to leave, what would be the skill set they take with them? Well, the skill set of being a sacrificial pastor, doing what their church actually needs, the skill set of building teams that they teach the Bible to, mm. um, the skill set of working within another larger team, they're all the skills that are incredibly transferable. Um, and so I think rather than limiting the future employment prospects, I think you're actually increasing them. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't skills they'd need to pick up, but by and large those skills I think are fairly easy to attain. I think one of the fears often in this is 
<clears throat> is the loss of, uh, you know, being able to regularly preach. Mm. And so when you do move into the context of a smaller church where, you know, you'll need to preach regularly, mm. um, that's something that potentially might not have been honed if you've been in a, in a larger church or if you've just really focused on yeah. the mission pastor role. Yeah. I'd say our guys preach a lot. It mightn't, mightn't necessarily all be on the Sunday uh, to the whole gathering. Uh, it'll often be to their teams. Um, and so they still do quite a lot of preaching. Um, I wonder if, maybe just nudging into this a little bit, um, as important as preaching is, we've elevated it as 90% of the role of the senior pastor. But what we've been talking about with an ecosystem is the preaching on a Sunday is really crucial, it's really important, but the ecosystem, um, I would much rather a guy who is a pretty good preacher but is great at looking after the whole ecosystem and seeing that the whole thing works than the guy who is the, the gun preacher who is clueless about the rest. So what, again, just sort of pushing more into that fear, what's interesting is that, you know, uh, the, just even the, the, the idea that if you were to jump back into, you know, pastoral ministry and, you know, where you, you had more of a preaching role, is the thought that you wouldn't actually... Sorry, Scott, let's do it again. <coughs> yeah, sorry. Do you want to just wipe your eyes as well? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was trying not see, to cough, I see, I see and I was working out not to cough. Eyes, and I'm like, oh, no, what did Craig say? I made a comment about SMBC. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> He's angry. I, I, I Hear me before I say this, probably. I want to say, like, surely when you do jump back into having to preach, that you'll work hard at being... A good preacher, won't you? Like, hmm. just like when you were leading a pastoral ministry role uh, at M, you were working hard to be the best at that. Yeah, that's right. You do what um, your church needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's what I was going to say, but I reckon uh, jump in. I, I reckon that is actually worth saying. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I kind of just want to jump in because there's that feeling as though you, you know you are by by not exercising your preaching gift or that preaching ministry, you're going to become you know weak at it. Uh, and also, you're not actually going to have the opportunity to develop it because that's that's really the pushback in this. If mm. I come on a staff team and I only do a purpose area, uh, then I'm not going to grow in some of those things like visiting people in hospital, um, you know, leading a small group ministry, uh, preaching as well. Now, I kind of want to push back on this and say, hopefully, if you were to jump back into being a solo church, that you would you would work hard mm. at growing in the areas that you need to to work at. Yeah, the shepherd does what the flock needs. And if the flock needs me not to preach now, that means not preaching now. If in the future it needs me to, the flock needs me to preach now, then I'll work really hard at building those skills. I'll get a coach, I'll read books, I'll watch, my, watch videos every single week. Um, we could rebuild those skills if we need to. Excellent. Now, another, another area to push into. Uh, I don't want to do you know, purpose pastoring because I reckon I'm going to be really bored by just focusing on the one area all the time. Yeah. Could it be that we've raised the importance of me really loving my job just a little bit too high? Um, and really what we need to dwell on is, um, what does the flock really need? Now, when, when I stop and think about that, then I'm gonna do what's really best for the flock. Um, and so whether or not I enjoy it, I actually think that as a shepherd, you get great enjoyment out of seeing the flock loved mm. and seeing the flock grow. The other way of thinking about it, though, is um, while I may um, enjoy doing a broad range of things, the fact is I'm rarely good at a broad range of things. Uh, that's rarely the case. And so the best thing for the church can be that I recruit and train other people who are going to be better at it. 
And so what I need to do is subvert my larva variety to, what the, to put it underneath what the flock needs and actually the body that is already there with those gifts. And so maybe we just need to get over ourselves a bit. So the final, the final objection, uh, that purpose pastoring is the cause of the senior pastor drought. So we've got all these guys who have focused so much on, on sort of specialty ministry. Also, they've loved being part of teams hmm. and, uh, and they've realized I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not a guy who can lead a church now. Hmm. Uh, so therefore, I don't want to put myself forward as a, as a senior pastor. Yep. There's a, now, there's a lot going on this. This is a really yeah, complex yeah. one. This, I was about to say exactly that. This is a complex thing. Uh, and rather than me providing the silver bullet answer, I'll, I'll throw out two thoughts. One... Could it be that those guys who are working in teams were not the guys that we wanted as senior pastors anyway? Because the reason they're working so well in teams is they've found their area of gifting. And um, if we dragged them out and made them senior pastors, that's not actually what they were ideally suited to anyway. And so it wouldn't have solved the problem. Mm. The second thought uh, is um, when you have a church that's working really hard at all five of those purpose areas and building teams, you end up with quite a lot of people doing ministry. Mm. What's the key to getting a whole bunch of people as senior pastors? It's that 15 years earlier, 10 years earlier, those people started to lead a youth group. Those people started to serve at church. The more people we can have at the start of the funnel, the more we'll have at the end of the funnel. And so let's work really hard are doing this ecosystem uh, kind of church and bringing hundreds of people mm. into ministry. Mm. Excellent. Now we could lo- we could say lots on that, but uh, we've run out of time. So if you've enjoyed this episode of the Reach Australia podcast, we hope that you'll enjoy the rest of this season. Feel free to share it with uh, with your mates. Feel free as well. I think just to, to sit down with your with your ministry team and actually listen to the the podcast together, particularly those first. Uh, four episodes, and also at the back end of this podcast series, where we really hone in and uh, and focus in on some of those specific purpose areas as well. And I mean, this is a good time probably just to say that we're really thankful for the time that you've given us, Greg, but also the time of your team. Um, Hunter Bible Church has, has been just a real blessing in terms of opening up themselves to sort of uh, you know uh, unpacking and you know and, and asking the hard questions of what they've been doing here. And so it's been really helpful just to sort of get an insight into. A church that's doing it okay and and you know fairly well. And that's yeah, we think we're pretty average performers, <laughs> yeah. uh, and so yeah, that's good to have a look at it. <clears throat> if you're looking to move your church towards implementing a church ecosystem, uh, pastoring with purpose, then you'll probably benefit from a church health consultation. Dave Lanham from French's Forest Anglican Church in Sydney talks about that now. What I love most about the consult was the way in which they were able to help us see the patterns and habits we were in and understand how in, in trying for, to, to do good, um, we weren't necessarily doing the best or, or that we could look at some areas and refining those areas so as to prove to be more effective. One of, one of the things we encourage a lot is, is how we're faithful in the way that we do ministry, but, but bringing in that element of how to be effective on top of being faithful. So to think through the stuff that gets in the way of the goals that we're uh, we're seeking to achieve and the outcomes we're reaching for and and working at how to sort of make adjustments, be a big or small, and and there were both, ways of refining so that we could hope to be and plan to be and strive to be more effective in the things that we do. What are the best things 
that we can do to be effective in mission, in reaching our local community with the gospel, and in the maturity ministry, at building people up in knowing Jesus, rather than just going through the, the, the things that we know have worked, thinking how can we make them work better. Well, for more information or to express your interest in the Reach Australia Leadership Development Program, go to reachaustralia.com.au. I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon.